Let's face it. We are an app-based, easy button-based, instant gratification kind of society, right? One click of a button and we get something brought to our house. Food, alcohol, flowers, basically anything you can ask for. And if it's not instant, you can get it for free shipping and in two days if you're an Amazon Prime member. But as we've often asked on this podcast, what is the true cost of those purchases when you're getting them through these apps and not instead through your community and local store owners? And today we talked to one of those businesses and the women behind it. Nirvana Soul isn't only about providing amazing coffee to the people of San Jose, California. It's about creating community through shared spaces, carefully curated art, and so much more. Bianca and Geronica opened their doors during a pandemic, but in doing so, they brought community to their own community, and that's priceless. Our ask for this summer of action, after you listen to this episode, go find one of these spaces in your own community Go support them for real, not in a performative way, and then tell all your friends to do the same. We rise by lifting others, and we need each other right now more than ever. Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast, the show that helps white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism. We're your biracial hosts, Sarah and Misasha. I am Bianca Shalu. I'm the CMO and co-founder of Nirvana Soul. And I am Jeronica Macy, the co-founder and CEO of Nirvana Soul. Woo. We are so excited um, because, you know, first of all, coffee shops are something that's very dear to our own hearts. Sarah's worked in one and I'm sure she'll go into her Brooklyn coffee shop experience. And I've basically asked for an IV drip of coffee like over the years. Um, seriously. <laughs> wouldn't be the first one. I have two kids. <laughs> and, you know, I love a good community coffee shop. So we would love to hear where Nirvana Soul came from and about your journey as to, you know, from sort of inception when you opened your doors. Yeah. So I've been in the coffee industry for almost about 20 years. I started at Pete's Coffee like right after high school, walking into a coffee shop. I'm like, I want to work here right away. But before that, like we grew up on coffee. Our great grandma raised us. And as a part of quality time, she would just wake up in the morning, be like, here's your, you know, coffee. And because she was drinking it every morning, Folgers every morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just wanted to have that time with her. And back then, of course, it wasn't a full cup of coffee. It was more cream and sugar and just a splash of coffee. But, you know, you still, you build those traditions as a kid. And that always kind of stuck with me. So when I worked at Pete's right away, I just knew that was something I wanted to do forever. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but it just seemed like a fun job with the community. Fast forward, like, <laughs> almost what, 16, 17 years later, I've always wanted to have Nirvana Soul. We had that name for over 10 years. I lived in Sacramento and moved back to San Jose about three and a half. Years ago or so? Yeah, years ago, yeah. And I came back to work at a coffee shop and I was talking to Bianca and I'm like, I really want to open a coffee shop. And she kind of was just like, let's just figure this out. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know, because she's definitely a pusher and she made it seem something that was like, you know, we're just talking about it all of a sudden seemed real. So we kind of just went on this journey of figuring out how to open a coffee shop. And it took us about a couple of years, almost two years, but it went by really fast. 
And we just opened seven months ago, September 26th. Yeah, last year. And let's put this in context, folks. This is last year being the middle of the pandemic. Of course, did not plan on that, but we were already in it. So a couple of years ago, when we started out on this, we said nothing would stop us. We would keep going no matter what came up. Of course, no one would have predicted anything like this could ever come (laughs) up, but we were committed. So and a little bit of naive too because we didn't know how bad it was going to be. You know, we were thinking by the time we opened, this would be way behind us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) What was that like opening up a community space? during COVID? Because, you know, I envision coffee shops and they're like the center of your community. You sort of go, you lounge, you connect, all of that sort of stuff. You know, both what was it like opening it and how has that experience sort of changed how you see the role of coffee shops in communities? I think Bianca and I are both just very intentional about community, about bringing people together. And so our whole mission kind of aligned this perfect timing of the pandemic too, because people needed to get out of their home. They needed needed to to reconnect with people. Yeah, they needed a safe space. They needed to, you know, see people that look like them. They needed joy. mm -hmm. They needed light and hope during a very dark time. And we knew that just being our authentic selves, that we were going to provide that space for them every single day. And I think that it just works. Yeah, maybe they couldn't sit inside, but they were able to make connections in line even, Mm -hmm. which is a funny thing we would have never thought about. And we did always allow folks to come in and look at the art inside as well. So we never took orders just at the door. We just limited the number of people who could come in Mm -hmm. so that they had socially distant space to look at everything inside. And so I think there was a bit of ownership too that the community felt in the shop. They had been on the journey with us Mm -hmm. for all this time. Like we started our Instagram and things almost two years earlier. So as it became, I guess, a reality, people were like, oh my gosh, we built this together. (laughs) So they wanted to see it and be a part of it. Yeah, it was kind of nice having only six people in the store at a time because they got to experience the shop, but then also build a relationship with the baristas, which is super important to us. You know, our baristas are asking questions. They want to know your name. They want to know how you're doing, what's going on. And I feel like that's what was missing, especially in this tech community that we have where everyone's like, go, go, go. We like, you have to slow down. If you're coming to Nirvana, so it's to slow down. Yeah. We're not doing order ahead. Or- it's not transactional. No. Like you are not going to be able to get in and out very yeah. quickly. <laughs> you're but we're okay with that. Yeah. Like, we want this to be a time to slow down and really be present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I love everything about what you just said. Sarah and I are like nodding our heads like vigorously (laughs) right now. Okay. And what I want to know is tell us about the inside, like this art that you're talking about. Like, you know, I want to envision this whole thing. Tell us about it. (laughs) Of course. So this, the art part of it started out with wanting to be musical, I think. So Mm. Jeronica really was inspired by the movie Love Jones that came out, I want to say in the nineties or so. And they have like an open mic spoken word kind of vibe. And so she was like, that's what Nirvana Soul will be. So Mm -hmm. as we started getting going, live events were obviously not going to be possible with the pandemic, but we did want to still have a connection to the arts community. We're in the SOFA district, which is the art district of San Jose. Mm -hmm. And so we put out a call really on our Instagram to local artists and in particular artists of color to come and do a mural in our shop. And we had so many muralists come through. We eventually came to two that we really loved. And so the big mural of just the lettering on our back wall for the sofa shop, and then the sister's mural, which has now become sort of iconic. When you look at Nirvana Soul, it's like a fusion of both of us. Those two were the first things we did. 
But there were so many other artists that would have come through for the mural project, but also were showing us things that they've done outside of murals. And we're like, oh, perfect. Well, we'll just put these upstairs if you guys don't mind us having them. <laughs> and they were into it. A lot of them were hobbyists, so they never even showed their work outside of their homes. <laughs> and for those who had, they were like, we never had anywhere here to do it. We would go to Oakland or San Francisco. So it's really taken on a life of its own. And every mm-hmm. quarter we bring in new work. We've had maybe 20 different artists now almost all of them are women and people of color. And it is just a very fun and important part of Nirvana Soul now. I love that. I feel, I mean, I mentioned it earlier on your energy, but just this breath of fresh air to consciously disrupt this pattern of rushing and disconnection and to be like, no, we are standing in the face of that. And we are going to bet so heavy on this, that we have a business to hold this space for you and bring community together is just I'm so impressed and it's so cool that you have this. You know, you mentioned early on that you saved the name Nirvana Soul for ages. What does that name mean to you? Yeah, so Nirvana Soul is another word for paradise. It's a Buddhist term and it's kind of like the closeness to God. You know what I'm saying? So it's like just a pure term. And I just wanted that joy inside, you know, people to feel safe and to feel whole and feel comfortable. So I just love that name. Yeah, so amazing to it. <laughs> but you've built that feeling. It seems like it's really it's come together. You're doing what that name promises. So that's really cool. <laughs> you know, I love, you know, that you opened your doors during this pandemic and that you have that sense of community and bringing in the artistry and that sort of stuff. Where do you see yourselves growing, you know, next year, five years, 10 years from now? Well, just like Jonathan was mentioning our mission, right, is to bring people together through the power of coffee and tea. And so we want to bring as many people together as we can. So this is just the first shop. We're also investing in a roastery soon, which we thought would come later, but Mm -hmm. we have an opportunity to do it sooner, which is awesome. (laughs) And then our ultimate goal here is an arbitrary number we've chosen of 20 shops. People always ask us to put shops in their neighborhood or in their country even. And we're just like dream big kind of people. Like this was a big dream already. So we really think we can continue expanding the pie and doing more. Now we have an online shop where we're selling our beans, but this would just make it so that we can do larger volumes and support these 20 shops that we have in mind. We've been working with a local roaster up until this point. And now we're just like, let's just take on full ownership and Mm -hmm. be able to do what we can on our own. Yes. I love also what you were saying about how, you know, you had started your Instagram sort of two years prior to opening. And so when you open your doors and the community really felt like, you know, we're all in it together, right? We are supporting each other. You know, I love that there's both of you. So you guys are obviously very close and supporting each other. Who else along this way have been your biggest supporters? And how do you drive support? Like, I'm sure that there are obviously ups and downs too, being, you know, a business owner, especially, you know, you did it through all the odds and like opened in a global pandemic, you know, where do you get support from? I would say our support comes from family and friends. We're really lucky that we have each other, Mm -hmm. right? Like being sisters in business, Jonica and I are 11 months apart. So we've always been close. Yeah. And so we're always like, we don't even know how people open businesses without a partner. Yeah, (laughs) no, for sure. Yeah. For people who are doing that on their own, I'm like, they're really rock stars. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think since we opened, actually our staff, our staff is pretty amazing. Like mm-hmm. even pretty recently, the past couple of weeks, I'm just so inspired and blown away by them. Like they really make me want to be better and do better, you know? So 
Yeah. Andronic is working side by side with them, which isn't something you typically see mm. an owner. And I think that adds more camaraderie and they want us to win. We want them to win. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's like creating this great synergy with the team. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Like, I just love the notion of everyone winning, right? Like that seems so <laughs> basic, yet it's something that seems so far away at times, right? So I love that. So this next question that I'm going to ask is perhaps my favorite question too, that I wanted to ask you because you two are both black women and our podcast is called Dear White Women for a reason. Like our stated mission is very much related to helping white women uproot systemic racism by using their privilege, well, by acknowledging and then using their privilege. And as Sarah and I are both biracial, we've been privy to conversations that happen in typically like white spaces that sometimes show almost an unconscious reflex for white women to stand up for whiteness first before standing up for fellow women. So if this resonates with you two in your entrepreneurial life or in other facets of your life, what would you like white women listening to this podcast to know? This is always a tough question for us to answer. And I think maybe more difficult that we probably haven't worked with a ton of white women throughout this process now that I think about it. <laughs> and so our experience with white women comes from the fact that we've both been in spaces that are dominated by white people generally. I work in tech. I still work in tech. And so, you know, there's a lot of white men, old white men, especially Veronica's in specialty coffee, where she was often the only person of color, the only black woman in those spaces. Yeah. And so as we come into our own shop where we've been able to nurture such diversity and not just our customers, but in our staff too, it seems so foreign in the specialty coffee space. And so we get a lot of love and support just for that alone, right? And we also opened in a time where there was a lot of social uprisings and awakenings and all of these things. And unfortunately, these things happen at, you know, someone getting killed or whatever at the hands of police. And, and so it's like tragic on one side, but we hope that things get better because of it. It just sucks that that's the way it has to go. Mm. And so I know when white women, you know, come into our shop, even after those tragic things happen, it, it definitely comes across as, and this isn't for all, so I won't generalize here, but we have noticed that it comes across like charity, you know, like they're doing us a favor to come by our shop, mm -hmm. you know, and Dronica and I have a lot of pride, as you can tell in the business, we work very hard to make sure the experience is a great one. We have a great variety of drinks and options that, you know, we work hard to make sure they're perfect. And for it all to boil down to performative stuff, it doesn't always feel good. Mm -hmm. And so we just, want to be supported for being a business. Like Veronica said, like no one goes into Starbucks thinking they're doing charity, <laughs> you know? And so that's probably the thing that resonates most with our business is that like we are a business too, you know? Yes, we are a black owned business, but there's no reason to come in and treat it like it's a favor to us to be here if that True. makes sense. So that's a very hard thing to say, but I think it's important to recognize. Just in terms of the conversation, one of the things that I was mulling over about that is I wonder, you know, when you go to a Starbucks or you go to a chain, it's kind of soulless, right? It's a transaction. It is like, give me the coffee that I know to expect. And I'm just going to go through it, whether it's for the status or the familiarity or the whatever, but the way that you have grown and consciously shaped that feeling around your business feels like a business that you need to have soul to understand. 
You need to have put in the understanding of who you are as a human and be able to open yourself up to art and awe and wonder and connection. And I wonder how many people, regardless of their skin color, have done this work or have that level of awareness in their lives to be able to do anything other than transactional performative relationships with people who are offering them a product in a store, you know? And I think the gift being consciously creating that for the community of color, for artists, for that goodness, it calls to those people who resonate with that energy. But I almost feel like people who are just looking for a local coffee shop or whatever, I don't know if they've done that thinking. I wonder what that says about society too. Yeah, that's a really good point because a lot of this is so new for white folks, which Mm -hmm. I know is also a weird thing to say, but they weren't looking for businesses owned by people of color. (laughs) They just were going to the places they're used to. And we live in a world that is so comfortable for them because most spaces they go into is for them. Is for them. Yeah. yeah. And so when you then make a conscious effort to go to a space that is not necessarily what you're used to, there are a couple approaches. You could have done the work on yourself, like you're saying, and you understand why it's important to support these businesses. Or you can say, oh my God, I'm such a good person. So I'm going to go to this black owned coffee shop and post it and let everyone know how good of a person I am because I supported this black owned coffee shop. So you're right. The intention is probably what makes the difference. Mm -hmm. Like if you're coming to connect and open yourself up and do sort of what's right without, there's a word for that. It's uh, not just performative, but it's like centering yourself. That's what it is. I think there's still a lot of centering themselves rather than being one with the community. And so it's like, let me get my picture and go type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm probably saying a mouthful and maybe Jeronica has more to add, but. No, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not that expression. (laughs) (laughs) How do you blueprint something like this when so much of it is about energy? Yeah, I work really, really hard with the baristas. I actually have two shift leads under me. And so I give them a lot of responsibilities. I have a lot of one-on-ones with them. So it's just expectation, but me really showing them and then having the hard conversations is when we need to have that conversation, but also pushing them to let them be themselves, to manage how they feel like they need to manage. And if something's like wrong, it's not like, oh, you did this wrong. It's kind of like, Maybe this is how I would have did it. You know, everything's a learning experience because they're not me, but they can still match my energy. And so they do a really good job of that as well. So I think it's just making them feel comfortable and like letting them know, yeah, that they can do it too, you know? And so I've actually been able to step away a little bit because they're doing such a good job. I tell Bianca all the time, like, they don't even need me sometimes. (laughs) Like yesterday I went to work, you know, and... They was like, why are you here? (laughs) And so it's really rewarding to see in the field that something that you've worked so hard for, having the right people there that love this business as much as us, that they believe in this business this much, that they are going to give 100%. Yeah, it's the culture. It is the culture. We're very intentional about hiring and from like the top to the bottom, like it, we're just very <laughs> intentional about the people we bring into the shop. So, and it says a lot when you can bring your whole self to work, mm-hmm. you know, like 
you're talking about diversity at with our staff just the other day and we were like it's so funny you go to all these other specialty shops and there's like no people of color no. or maybe one like Tronica used to be mm-hmm. and then you come to our shop and everyone's a person of color and we're yeah. like I think we might have just hired all the people who were the one at their shop yeah. and now they're at yeah. our- <laughs> Like we didn't mean to, it just like happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I think, yeah, people want to be in spaces where they can really show up completely. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I love seeing them just be themselves. I mean, we do wear aprons, but they're free to just be themselves. And I think that's another thing that wasn't always at other coffee shops. You don't have the freedom to just really be. I mean, this is amazing. Well, first of all, I've had that discussion with my husband and like every coffee shop that we've been in, like that, how white a lot of the spaces are. I mean, well, Sarah and I've discussed this like all the time, but we live in a very predominantly white area on the peninsula. So it's generally like our family that's bringing the diversity in. So you definitely notice when there's like the one person who's probably not even at our local coffee shop anymore because you guys probably hired. (laughs) (laughs) I swear we're not poaching. No, but I love it because I think also your energy and the energy that you're bringing into this community is so needed, especially considering the very transactional nature of where we live. Like everything I feel like is app based and, you know, how fast can you do that and how quickly can you do that and how exact, you know, sort of carbon copy can you make it and just, you know, churn it out, churn it out, churn it out so fast. And the fact that you're removing that And really refocusing on quality and the experience is, I mean, it's priceless. I wish you guys can open a hundred, like why stop at 20? So (laughs) (laughs) that'd be awesome. You know, I have a question about that though, because we've talked actually a few other randomly and coffee shop owners and having worked in a coffee shop in Brooklyn and it was a little locally owned corner coffee shop. And I noticed stuff about humanity. For example, like when I was there, I noticed the difference between the customers who would actually see me as a human being behind the counter Mm -hmm. and those who were like, give me a whatever and would lock away. And then when they found out that I actually had a brain and was a human and did things in my other life, they treated me with more respect. And I was like, oh, that says a lot about you as a person to the person who was like changing their behavior based on my qualifications. Right. So I feel like a coffee shop is a place where a lot of humanity can be revealed. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've seen more and more coffee shops that are looking to embrace, like are understanding what's happening in society and are looking to embrace this idea of community and building a more welcoming, inclusive atmosphere. And yet they're white owned. And so how do they do this with authenticity? And I love what you said about intentionally slowing down, you know, this idea of the high quality and, you know, bringing in your own roasting abilities, letting people bring their whole selves to the workplace. But how do you have thoughts on how people can build more spaces like this if they're not doing it organically because they are people of color? Yeah, I say uh, you need to meet your baristas where they are, you know, um, ask the questions like, what are their goals? What do they want to do? You know, take an interest in them. I think a lot of people are just like, this is my shop. You work for me. It needs to be my way. But it's kind of like, because you work for me, how can I help you be a better version of you? You know, like it's, a win-win situation, you know, like I'm already in my mind, I'm already (laughs) living out my dreams, you know what I'm saying? But it's not fun for me if I'm having people who are just stagnant, you know what I'm saying? They have no hopes and dreams themselves. So it's uh, listening to them, holding them accountable, asking them questions and uh, just, yeah, I think that's the difference is just being involved in each other's lives. Yeah. And just caring. People yeah. just don't care. Just caring. I was going to say, this takes a certain level of humility, mm-hmm. right? Like, Veronica said, she's living her dream, but 
folks that are on the team are not just cogs in the machine for her to reach her goals, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's not fun for us if we're the only ones who are getting to those places we want to be. So we try to make sure that we create pathways for folks to become what they want to. Like we always say, we have the most talented team for sure. sure. Like everyone has some talent, some dreams some thing that they're reaching for. And we do nothing to stop that. Like we want that to just go full steam ahead. And so you'll start seeing that in our music program. It's developed by one of the baristas. We have a barista who has art in the shop up right now. You know, the barista um, that's in Seattle right now for, you know, school, whatever mm-hmm. it looks like. We never say no to days off or anything like that. Whatever it's going to be to help you grow, I'm here for it. Yeah. I like that you also brought in their art and their music, like talking about also creating that community for the customers, right? And that space for people to feel welcome and reflected and enjoy, like you said, bringing joy to this atmosphere. So it seems so completely opposite than corporate. And I really, really <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, we want y'all to know us. Like, that's how me and Dronica started out. We were, we put ourselves out there. We said, we, Dronica Bianca, are starting a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times businesses are kind of like faceless and nameless. You don't mm-hmm. know who's behind it. Mm-hmm. And so we do the same thing with our staff. We do the same thing with each artist. When we start having musicians, we'll do the same thing with them. Like, here are these people. Like, you don't have to wait until you get coffee from them a few times to figure out who they are. Like, we're going to be out front with it. Like, this is who we are. Now come hang out with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We could sit here and talk to you guys all day. Seriously. <laughs> Such great energy. Seriously, I want to soak in all your wisdom right now. I don't know. I think we talked about the online shop, of course, following us on our Instagram. We're pretty active there. Anything else? No. <laughs> I think we're good. This was awesome. <laughs> We've been trying not to go negative, but every time we talk about coffee shops, I keep saying to me, Sasha, what about that time at the Starbucks where a black man was like called for loitering? And that bothers me so much. And yet we've really tried to not focus in a lot of our conversations around stuff like that. How do you process as a business owner, but also a community builder and like this idea that we're all humans and we just need a place to belong? But I think that happened as you were already processing building your own coffee shop. What did you think about that time and that idea of people being told they're loitering or they don't belong? It happens all the time. I've been in coffee shops a lot of times, the only Black woman. I've been harassed and felt uncomfortable as a worker, you know, and it's inspired me to grow, you know, of how not to be. I think that's also what sets us aside, too, because we have zero tolerance for that at our shop. Yeah. We don't immediately judge folks either because who we are Mm -hmm, so we know what that feels like yeah I think we do a little bit of giving people the benefit of the doubt and then just taking it as it comes the situations as they come but yeah shame on people for just being that way you know yeah I think there's a lot of unlearning to do Mm -hmm. there right because I don't think people are consciously trying to be discriminatory or anything I think Mm -hmm. it's just in us, right? Like we all were born into this country the way it is. And that's something you have to like really fight against within Mm -hmm. yourself. Whereas we don't have those kind of barriers just because like what Dronica just outlined. And so even when it comes to specialty coffee, like I like to say, like that wasn't a place where people of color went to get coffee. Like you might feel comfortable at Starbucks, you know, because it's just everywhere. And like you said, it's more of that corporate transactional thing and everyone drinks coffee. Mm-hmm. But once you went up a level to like the specialty coffee space, 
you would not see people of color coming there. No, no, not and at all. Now they will come to our shop and be nervous, I think, at the start too, because when they've gone before, it's so easy to feel like out of place. Like, oh, I don't know what these drinks are. I don't know what they mean. But they'll come because they know they're going to be talking to someone who looks like them. And that person is going to have a shorthand and an understanding of their experience enough to make them feel more comfortable. And so we are expanding the pie. It's what we'd like to always say. We're not just like taking a piece out of it. There's enough room for everyone. Mm -hmm. There really is. Mm -hmm. But not everyone was being brought in to these spaces and now they can be. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I think we'd like to think about it. That was a beautiful response. Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. That was the best response. Yeah. That was amazing. I love it. Expanding the pie. Yeah, you're right. So many people have this like zero sub mentality and it's not at all what was happening. If you build it, they will come kind of thing. Right. And you've offered this space for people to finally feel like they belong and they have access to amazing coffee and an amazing experience. Right. Yeah. And they should like, why not? Everyone loves coffee. Everyone (laughs) drinks coffee. So let's just make sure when we say everyone, we're really being inclusive. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. We mean it. Well, and one of the things that, you know, we just came across was this idea of, by the way, all coffee is imported. Like the beans are imported. It is by nature, like an international global kind of business, right? Like at least at its raw selves. Raw stuff, it comes from Africa. <laughs> it was from a Black person, you know? So, I, you know, I think just over time, people forget that, you know, and it's not right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Where can people find you on your social media? And then tell us about your store too. Yes. Yeah, so we are at Nirvana Soul Coffee on Instagram and Facebook at Nirvana Soul SJ as in San Jose on Twitter. And then on our website, our website is nirvanasoulcoffee.com address is <laughs> 315 South First Street in San Jose, California, right downtown. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yes. you. You're still here learning how to uproot systemic racism one conversation at a time. Our fresh news. We have a brand new book that's available for pre-order. So find us on bookshop.org at Dear White Women and order. And then make sure you follow the Dear White Women podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts so you can keep getting the newest episodes each Wednesday. And don't forget to rate and review us as you share our show with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Dear White Women Podcast and Twitter at DWW Podcast. And if you love us, support our Patreon or look for ways you can bring us into your place of employment or circle of influence for a talk or ask us about our webinars and consulting work. Thanks for being here.